welcome to The Last Trump, a radio show on end times prophecy. We encourage you to get your Bibles out and go to the scriptures with us as we look at the biblical truths found within the Bible that are pointing us to the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And now, live from the Revolution Studios on Grand Island, New York, here's your host, Mike Chory. Oh, thank you, Spencer, and welcome everybody to The Last Trump tonight. We're delighted to have you a part of this broadcast each and every Saturday night, and this is not pre-recorded. We're coming to you live tonight from the studios of WDCX, and we want to just welcome all of you to get your Bible out and get ready to hear the word of God. And I am your host, Mike Chory, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Friends of Joshua Revolution. And just to give you a little bit of what's going on with Joshua Revolution these days, we are so excited for what's coming December 27th through the 29th. We're going to be in Erie, Pennsylvania at the beautiful, renovated and revived Warner Theater in downtown Erie, Pennsylvania for three days and three nights of an event that is going to be centered on revival. It's entitled Revive Us Again, taken from Psalm 85.6. And I just returned from Erie, Pennsylvania. Our leaders were gathered there today for training and preparation for this event. And I want you to know we are excited. The prayers that are going up, the, the momentum that is building, This event, as you may have already heard, is completely free of charge. And and listen, it costs money to rent the Warner Theater and to bring national speakers and, and musicians, and some of which are coming from all over the country. You say, how do you do it? We do it by a lot of prayer and people who donate so that you and your family and your church can come completely free of charge. And I want you tonight to Google joshuarevolution.org and watch the promo film of what's coming in just 20 some days you know we're the second of december today and we are only 25 days my goodness away from the opening night with dave reaver the joshua revolution band and then on the 28th jeremiah castile the chaplain get this of the alabama crimson tide He's coming. What a dynamic preacher he is. He's going to be the morning speaker on Thursday, December 28th. We've got the Asbury University worship team that was a part of that revival that stopped the campus, shut it down for 16 days around the clock, worship and preaching. Asbury students, the band, the the number one band of Asbury that was a part of that revival is coming to be with us for the whole event. And then Thursday night, Pam Stenzel, if you've never heard Pam Stenzel, you are going to be so, so uh, moved by the Spirit as she preaches on holiness. And then, of course, even in the afternoon, we have sessions. Torrance Nash is going to be with us preaching on the message of the cross for sanctification. And then the night of the 28th, from all the way from Israel, Joshua Aaron, who travels all over the world leading worship events. If you don't know the music of Joshua Aaron, we play it a lot here on The Last Trump and Crossside. Just Google his name and listen to some of his music, and you will be very, very excited to come and hear Joshua Aaron. It's going to be a full worship night with him. And then also on the 29th, which is Friday, December 29th, we're going to have um, people like uh, Martha Borg, Dave Borg, Bob Cornell, and others that are going to be there preaching, singing. Of course, our, our band, the JR Band, which I'm a little partial to, they're going to be there the whole time. As I said, Asbury College, three days, three nights at the beautiful Warner Theater. Now, we've been doing youth events, youth conferences, and now, let me just say, this is not 
Josh Revolution 23 for several years is not just a youth conference. It is a family. It is for all ages. We have a children's ministry from K through five, and then everyone else in another space, the K through five have their own room. And then the big theater that can seat over 2,200 people, that's where the main power sessions are going to be. This is for you, no matter what your age is, no matter who you are, Joshua Revolution 23, Revive Us Again, is for you. And it will be life-changing, friend. I have no doubt about it. It has changed my life. We've been doing this since 1993. It's changed my wife. It's changed my children. They get more excited for JR for the conference than they do even opening their presents on Christmas Day. And so we want you to be there. Hotel rooms. Now, Now get this for a moment. The beautiful Sheridan Hotel, which we were just in today, right on Lake Erie, that is connected to the Marriott Courtyard. Both of those hotels we have booked out for the three days and three nights. Normal room rate on that is $200. For Joshua Revolution 23 only, you can come for $112 in a beautiful hotel, wonderful food, accommodations right on Lake Erie, all decked out in Christmas. It's just a tremendous family vacation. It's a, it's a retreat for pastors, youth pastors, whosoever you want to be there. And for more information, go to our website tonight, joshuarevolution.org. And when you watch the videos and you look at the information and read the vision of this, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to touch you and say, you need to be there. You need to come. And these hotel rates, they're only available until December 11th. So go tonight. Book your rooms and get ready for this event. We have shuttle buses that can transport you from the hotel right to the Warner. The Warner is just five minutes away on a nice day. You could walk there. But we're, we're, we're planning for middle of December, end of December. Sometimes you need, uh, you just, most of the time, you need to take a ride. And so the shuttle buses can get you there and back to your hotel. But do yourself a favor. Go to our website and look at what's coming. You're not going to find an event like this probably anywhere in America that's free. I mean, think about just to go to a place uh, and hear a concert, a two-hour concert. Tickets are, what, $40, $50 or more. This is three days and three nights in the most beautiful, historic uh, theater. Warner Brothers, I think there's only two of these in the country that are still like this. And it's in downtown Erie. And when you walk in, you're going to know you're in a place that is very special. And Jesus Christ is going to be the central theme of it all. Worshiping him and praising him for what he's done through his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you need more details, you can call Joshua Revolution. Call our office, 716-229-8000 or one 444 2920. Again, go to our website. You can order your free tickets. We'll mail them right to your house and we'll send you all the schedule, all the information. All you have to do is click on the registration and order your tickets and also go to the hotel link and book your hotel tonight at the Courtyard Marriott. It's a beautiful hotel. You'll love it. And uh, I'm going to be looking for you. I want to know if you come I want you to come up to me, find me. I'll be around and tell me, Pastor Mike, I'm here because of listening to The Last Trump and listening to Cross-Eyed Radio. And tonight is going to be a tremendous night. We have a special guest tonight here on The Last Trump to help us break down Revelation chapter 17. We, we started this last week, and we're talking about, of course, mystical Babylon. We're going to deal with literal Babylon in a week or two. But we're dealing with this mystical Babylon, spiritual Babylon. Now, when you think of the word Babylon, it's always speaking of rebellion. The first organized rebellion after Noah's flood happened in a city called Babel in ancient Babylon, which is today Iraq. And what we are seeing right now in the Middle East brewing 
in countries like Iraq and Iran and Syria and Lebanon. And of course, the the terrible attack from Gaza City into Israel. These nations that surround the land of Israel have a vehement hatred toward the Jewish people. And tonight, here on The Last Trump, my guest is going to be Brother John Rosenstern. John is a minister uh, down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He is on a worldwide television network called SBN, Sunlight Broadcasting Network. He runs a daily program called Insight. I think it's five days a week. And John and his son, Josh, are both Messianic Jews. John is one of the most brilliant men that I have ever been around as it pertains really in general, but most importantly to the word of God. And we are in for a treat tonight to hear John break down Revelation chapter seven or um, chapter 17. And this terminology that we started last week on the great whore. I want to read it again just to set it up before John comes on tonight. But in Revelation chapter 17, it said, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven bowls and talked with me saying unto me, come up hither and I will show you the judgment of the great whore who sits upon many waters. Now this terminology is very strong by the Holy spirit. And of course, as we broke it down last week, the great whore represents or refers to all of the religions of the world that have ever been, which has devised a substitute for God's plan of salvation, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Anything that is not Christ and him crucified alone for salvation is considered by God as a great whore. And of course, that terminology, we understand it in the natural, that it is speaking about uh, uh, a woman who would be seductive and try to pull people in to sexual immorality, a perversion. But worse than even that sin is, and that sin is very bad, we're talking about spiritual perversion, a perversion of the right way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And any message, any religion that changes that message is considered by God as a prostitute, a great whore, because you have to understand tonight, my friend, salvation is only in Jesus' name. There's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. And when you tamper with that, or you make a a, a law of any kind that this is what you have to do to be saved, you have entered into what is called the great whore. God loves the whole world. He doesn't want any to perish. And so this message, the message of the cross You cannot add to it or take away from it. And so if any religion tells you you have to do something to be saved, you better be careful. You better watch out. The only thing that you tonight have to do to be saved is you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must repent of all other religions. Repent of the way you've been living, trying to live without God, and put your faith in what Christ did on Calvary's cross and invite Jesus to come into your heart. Now, last week we talked about this tonight. We're going to pick it up in the sixth verse tonight. And as I mentioned, brother Rosenstern is going to come on the air and he's going to help us tonight to understand specifically who are in verse. And we can find this in verse seven, who are the seven heads and the ten horns? And that is that is sometimes very confusing for people to understand. And so I want to read this to you uh, just to get the context. I'm in Revelation 17, verse 6. And the Bible says, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. And so this terminology, uh, sometimes people get caught up on there and they're like, okay, what is the Bible telling us? And we have to, we have to realize tonight that the Bible gives us, explains what it's saying. If you, if you want to know what the Bible is teaching, you have to learn more of the Bible. You, you don't go outside the Bible to learn, but you look at each verse and you continue on and you, you will see that the Bible will define what it's saying. And in this chapter, let's just look at it right now for a moment. So we're talking about this woman and, and notice what it says in verse eight. It says the beast who you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they who dwell on the earth shall wonders whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast who was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen and one is, and the other is yet to come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. So right now, I'm going to bring Brother Rosenstern in here to define this. And I want want to pray for the wisdom of the Lord tonight, because the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And these verses are going to be connected to what's happening in Israel right now. Father, I just pray right now that you would use this broadcast tonight. Use Brother John to help teach and bring out the truth of what's really going on over in the Middle East and what is about to happen as we get closer to your coming. And I'm going to ask, Lord, that if there be anybody listening tonight, that does not know you, they would come to know you as a result of this broadcast. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. And I want to welcome to The Last Trump tonight, all the way from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, Brother John Rosenstern. John, welcome. Brother, Brother Mike, good morning. I should say good evening. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, well, it's great to have you on, John. You've been on this broadcast before, and and really, you've been right in studio live. But we couldn't have you. We couldn't fly you in for this, but we got you by rate uh, by uh, by your phone, and we're glad to have you. So, give us an update. What's happening down there in the ministry with Jimmy Swaggart Ministries? Well, we feel the Lord has been using us tremendously with world evangelism. We've had the privilege of, and many that have listen to your broadcast that listen to the ministry broadcast know that we try to present a variety of uh, programming but the message is singular the message of the cross jesus christ and him crucified we teach it we preach it we sing it and we also have programming that deals with current events such as francis and friends in the insight program that my son josh and i do and we try to bring from the word of god an explanation to current events that are happening in the world to just keep people abreast of what we should be excited for, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the preparation for the coming of the Lord, him adorning his bride. And I believe the message of the cross is that means by which it will help prepare the body of Christ. It will purify the body of Christ as they learn to walk in the righteousness that was given to them uh, by faith when they got saved. And now that they can understand that the same faith they got saved with is the same faith they lived by, Paul said in Colossians uh, chapter 2, I believe it's in verse 6, as ye have received Christ Jesus, therefore walk ye in him, being built up in him. So we walk the same way we got in, by faith, understanding that the object of our faith is Christ and him crucified. And I believe with that uh, understanding of that foundation, Bible prophecy makes more sense. The plan of God unfolds 
And as you probably have been teaching, especially from the book of Revelation, things that are to come, we can see the birth pains, I believe, happening right before our very eyes. They really are. And John, that's why we're so excited to have you on tonight to connect some of the dots for us. And just before you came on, we read the verses in Revelation chapter 17. We've been going through the book of Revelation for several months and we're talking tonight about Mystery Babylon and uh, this woman that the scripture says in Revelation 17 verse 6 was drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. I wonder if we might just start there tonight and explain to our listeners what this is referring to. That's excellent. Yeah, a lot of times this is greatly misunderstood, and we have to understand chapter 17 deals deals with the spiritual elements of what we would call Babylon. Chapter 18 deals with a future literal rebuilding of Babylon and its destruction, which is more of the uh, political system to come, and it may or may not necessarily engulf all of just the country of Iraq where Babylon is, but really the whole system over there of the mm. world. Anyway, the woman drunken with the, uh, the, the blood of the saints is important. This indicates this is nothing new. This is something that has been going on for some time. Right. It's going to culminate in a greater fashion later. You have two aspects of the woman and the beast. You've got a religious system and you've got a, a political system. The woman rides the beast, and as you will study the beast will ultimately consume the woman on the beast. Mm. And that is because the religious system will ultimately be consumed by the Antichrist as he will declare himself to be God and cause all worship to come unto himself. And that will take place through the abomination of desolation where he will have all to worship him. But in the meantime, this, this system, this religious system, some have equated it to and limited to the Roman Catholic Church, but it really deals with all false religions, all false ways, all deceptive means that have caused men and women to turn from the true living God unto a system of works or works-orientated elements that have drawn them aside from the truth of Jesus Christ. And the idea of the woman uh, uh, drunken, notice she's on top like a prostitute. She seduces and draws people to her. Yet what supports her is the political system. In the heyday of the Roman Catholic Empire, for example, it was also the largest political system in the world. Today, we have in the religion of Islam, which has gained ascendancy and is gaining prominency in everywhere in the world, here even in the U.S., we have watched nearly two-thirds of churches in England convert to mosques. We have seen France virtually taken over by the Islamic world. They are spreading and um, metastasizing might be a good word. But the religious system in Islam basically prostitutes, but it is a economic and political system as well, and it wants to rule and dominate the people. And we see that in the countries now where Islam rules and reigns over the people, especially in countries like Iran. What we're seeing today in the world is how this religious system has corrupted virtually everything. It's even corrupted the Church of Jesus Christ. Right. And many folks in the church world have seen in the last hundred years the different movements, the different elements that have invaded the church, especially the most grotesque fallen elements of psychology and that has permeated the church today. The world system is engulfed in psychological principles and counseling, and some try to Christianize it by calling it biblical or Christian counseling. Mm. But we also find all these other elements, purpose-driven, which is no longer popular, the government of 12, the secret-sensitive, emergent church movements, progressive church movements. All of these are false ways. They will take some truth, but it is a harlot. It will draw and seduce people. Um, we find ourselves subjected to these false systems because they, they prostitute themselves to the people. And that's why it's important, as Peter said, uh, dealing with them. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh through much wantonness those that were clean escape from 
um, escape from them who live in them or live in air. I'm quoted correctly in a second. Forgive me. Yeah. But the idea here is they seduce and they draw people in because if we don't have the lusts of our flesh crucified before Christ, those things are what Satan will draw out of us. Let me get minister to the folks a little bit here from James chapter 1. James said that no man say he is tempted. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it's finished brings forth death, he would say. So if the lusts in ourselves are not crucified, they will be used as means of sentimentality, to draw people out to a false way. Let me give you one more example, and then we'll go back to the scriptures because yes. I think you've hit on it. You obviously opened up a Pandora's box for me as far as discussion. I mm-hmm. love Bible prophecy Amen. and how it is unfolding for, before our eyes. But you look, for example, today, here in the United States, the scores of universities and colleges. This is where our, quote, educational system is expanding and developing, and we are to learn and develop and to grow and become worthwhile citizens in the country. But notice how many are supporting the Hamas. Notice how many are not upset with what Hamas did in Israel October 7th. See, October 6th of 2023, there was a truce. October 7th, it was Hamas that broke the truce. Hmm. And clearly, provocated by rockets and using their underground tunneling systems to target civilians, killing, maiming, raping, and doing the most heinous things that I don't think publicly I feel comfortable even explaining. I saw the unedited videos that the Hamas took of their carnage. Mm -hmm. And let me say this, no human being can watch this and not be affected by it, yet alone those that were suffering from it. So Israel is confronted with an evil entity created back in 1987, and that entity was also in collaboration with another organization called the Islamic Jihad, which was formed out of Iran. The Hamas is from the Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood started in 1928. Muslim Brotherhood was founded by Hassan al-Banna, who along with the Hajj, known as Hajj Amin al-Husseini from Jerusalem, placed there by the British after World War I to deal with the Muslims in in the Middle East and more particularly Jerusalem, they were cooperating and working with Adolf Hitler during World War II. Three Muslim divisions, one was called the Hanyar Division, were formed to support the Nazis. So they became Nazis. They worked with the Nazis with the intent that after Hitler destroyed the Jews in Europe, he would come and help them to destroy the Jews in the Middle East. Hassan al-Banna created an idea and wrote a book. Uh, let me rephrase that. He reinforced the idea of jihad, not the internal struggle, but the external movement to take the world for Islam, to create a new world leadership of Islamic development called the Caliphate. When he died, his son-in-law, the one who married his daughter, Saeed Ramadan, continued his message. I'm giving you a very brief overview mm-hmm. of this. Come up the time after World War II, some of the world, especially the U.S., were sympathetic to the Jews. They were able to form a nation. They were able to form a nation, and it was voted on by the United Nations, but it was a partitioning of a very small portion of land. It was really only a portion of land that was part of what was promised to them after World War I. The Jews were prevented, uh, promised in the Balfour Declaration to have all of what we call today modern Israel, which includes the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and all of what we call today modern-day Jordan. That was all promised to Israel after World War I. The British chose not to do that. They split the Middle East up into pieces. They gave uh, King Abdullah, who was thrown out of Saudi Arabia pretty much, his sons, they gave King Hussein what we call today modern Iraq, and they gave King uh, Abdullah Uh, the son Abdullah, they gave him what was called today Transjordan, modern Jordan. So the British, through an agreement with the French called the Sykes-Picot Agreement, split the land up. They divided and created what we call today modern Syria, modern Lebanon, and what we call Palestine. 
And all of these things happened uh, really since World War I. Many of these nations were not even nations. There's no such thing as a Palestinian nation or a history of indigenous people called Palestinians. I could spend hours explaining that from history's perspective, but the name Palestine came from the, 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 the angelicized word Palestine, means Philistine. It was named that by Hadrian in 134 AD after the Jewish revolt by Simeon bar Kokhba. Our guest tonight is John Rosenstern, an expert in Bible prophecy. And John, I, I want to go to this verse again that we read, because in verse 6, what we see here is great persecution that comes from false religion. And what you were laying out before the break of what happened on October 7th, that is due to a religion that teaches death to the infidel. And so when it says, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, first and foremost, Satan hates every Christian and every Jew because of what we represent. And throughout the centuries, if you could just break this down for a moment, the the hatred is really against Jesus, even more so than it's against Jews or Christians. Yes. In fact, we find throughout history, of course, that the religious system of the world has always persecuted the true church of God. Amen. And that's what this verse is basically talking about. You look at Egypt, which was the first kingdom to oppress Israel. The next one, of course, we know that is Assyria, then Babylon. Each of these nations did their very best to bring persecution against Israel, the Medo-Persian Empire. Fortunately, Persia did become friendly with Israel, as we know, at the time of Nehemiah. And we see a great benefit there under Cyrus, which was prophesied at the end of chapter 44 of Isaiah, beginning of chapter 45, uh, coming to pass. So there was some element of friendliness. And the Lord remembers that because he's actually going to set up a throne in Iran in the future as well. We find that in Jeremiah chapter 49, the last few verses. But then we have Greece and then we have Rome. So these are those nations that we will see also as part of verse 7, the seven heads and ten horns, those nations that persecuted Israel. And, of course, we can also understand, which a lot of folks, if they will kind of committantly, meaning at the same time when they study Bible prophecy, go back and study from the book of Daniel as well. Because Daniel talks about the ten toes back there in chapter 2, verses 42 and 3. And we see, of course, he again brings up the ten horns in Daniel chapter 7, 24, well, that correlates to what we see in Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, chapter 13, and also what we're reading here in chapter 17, verse 3. So God beautifully, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line upon line, here a little, there a little, puts it all together for us if we will just look at it and dig a little deeper. So, so let we, me we let me the, ask you for a moment, these seven yes. heads um, and the, the ten horns, because people read that, and I'm just going to read the, the seventh verse, and of course you indicated revelation 17 3 really introduces it there too and the angel said unto me wherefore did you marvel i will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the ten horns and then down in verse 9 here is the mind which has wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits and there are seven kings five are fallen and one is and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short space. Break that down for us, Brother John, tonight for the listener. Well, as I said, we have the kingdoms that have fallen. Egypt has fallen, Assyria has fallen, Babylon has fallen, Medo-Persia has fallen, Greece has fallen. At the time that John wrote this, Rome was still in existence. So we know that Rome no longer is in it. In, in the sense of, uh, of a, a leading world-dominating nation. But then you see that the next kingdom, which I believe will be what was known as, we will call the revised Roman Empire, that will come out of this area. And that's what seems to be very important for people to understand. The importance is, as, as Daniel saw the ten toes and we see these ten horns, we see these ten kingdoms, we see the revised uh, Roman kingdom that's going to come. And that has not been formed yet. 
I was bringing a little history before the break to show how the world basically was divided into pieces. And I did that for a reason, so this would make more sense. Yes, God determines the times and the seasons and changes, and the king's hearts are, are in his, the, the stream of the king's hearts are in his hand, uh, as the, I believe the psalmist had said. But let me back up just one quick point and, sure. and, and throw something here that you said, which is key. Those that hate God will come against Israel and ultimately the true church of God. Back in Psalm 83, I'm just going to read a few verses, and I'll explain it quickly, because uh, I know we've got a lot of ground to cover here. You've, you've opened up a lot of meat, and we want to get it all eaten before the night's over. Hmm. He says, Keep not thou, O silence, God. Hold not thy peace. And be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Now keep in mind, God made a new covenant with Israel. That's in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 37. He'll make a new covenant, Abedith Karashah, with the house of Israel and with Judah. The church, the church of the Gentiles, so to speak, and Jews as well, at the time of Christ, the time of Pentecost, when the new covenant was actually given, actually it was fulfilled when Christ died at the cross. He became the covenant. Isaiah 42 and 49 says that he is the covenant. So when Christ died, he ratified the covenant. He sent the Holy Spirit. Now the new covenant's evidence, obviously, is the Spirit of God dwelling in us. But when that happened, uh, that set us into this dispensation we are currently living. For the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, the Jews were set aside. We know in 70 AD the temple was destroyed. But um, still, he says, they've taken crafty counsel and consulted to cut off Israel from being a nation. Jews were scattered by God to protect them, to punish them. Leviticus 26 bears that out very clearly. Deuteronomy chapter 28 bears it out, chapter 30 as well. But they were scattered also to protect them because it was the effort of Satan to try to annihilate them from the earth. That word cut off is the same word we have for a castration, that they can no longer reproduce and exist. The same thing is true we see of Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 53, terminology similar. Anyway, so they want to cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more. They've consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. So all of those that hate God will work together cooperatively to destroy Israel. That was done and is being done and still being done because their promise of existence is ratified in the new covenant that we see back in Jeremiah. Then he gives the names of the countries or the ethnicities, the goyim, that means right. ethnicities, the same as the word ethnos means ethnicities in the, in, the, in the Greek. The tabernacles of Edom, of the Ishmaelites, of Moab, and the Hagarenes, Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, the Philistines, inhabitants of Tyre, and Ashur. I won't go into the specific location of each of those, but generally speaking, those are all the nations of the people that surround Israel. Never in hmm. history have they been confederate together. And confederate meaning this, that they have fought Israel as one cohesive unit. That took place in 1948. It took place in 1967. It took place in 1973. And it continued through a what I call global intifada against Jews throughout the world. We saw in 1972 the Jews attacked in Munich at the Olympics by Mahmoud Abbas, who's the current president of the Palestinian so-called people. He was the one who helped finance that. All of these efforts and the cooperation they get from Muslims around the world that are sympathetic to the Palestinian cause and have allowed these people to remain refugees, to use them to draw out Israel's response and criticize Israel's response against their terrorism, are all designed to ultimately cut Israel off from being a nation. From the river to the sea, they chant, even in our universities and colleges, and even our representatives in Congress, a few of them do the same. That means to eliminate all of Israel's from the land of Israel, Jews from the land of Israel, and cut Israel off uh, completely as a nation. So out of this revised Roman Empire that is in the future to come, it's still in the process. It has not happened yet, but we anticipate that going to happen. In the book of Daniel, of course, he gave us great prophecies pertaining to when and how this will happen. He talks about this in 
several places, uh, in a number of places in Daniel chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 11. I won't take the time to digress and explain particularly each of those verses. Pinpoints where the Antichrist is going to come out of. He's going to come out of this revised Roman Empire, and he's going to establish another empire, the reestablishment of the Grecian Empire. And the same angel that's in the abyss now that guided Alexander the Great, right. who was trained personally by Socrates, is going to be loosened from that abyss, and he is going to then, he's the beast that was, that's, that was wounded, but is now going to come back to life. It's not a person, it's that angel that's going to be released from the bottomless, bottomless pit, I believe. And he will have influence, just like he did with Alexander the Great, who conquered mightily. They still, to this day, at the wisest schools, and I know military officers that were trained in the highest learning of history of battles and wars, they still don't fully comprehend how Alexander the Great succeeded so well. And, of course, I reminded them that the Word of God tells us he was demonically inspired. But yet the Medo-Persian Empire had to be pushed away for the Grecian Empire to come in, according to Daniel. We know what happened there through his prayers and why they were delayed. But once the Grecian Empire came in, it had its time and it had its season, but it also had to be had to end in its time for Rome to come forth. And let me and let me read. I want to read that yep. verse that you're talking about. This angel. It's it's found right in Revelation seventeen eight. The beast who you saw was right. and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. So you're you're talking about a literal fallen angel who have helped leaders of empires in the past now being released from the bottomless pit to assist the Antichrist in the tribulation time. Am, am I right on that? That is absolutely correct. And I, I truly believe that's what's going to happen. You know, it tells us very clearly, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are ranks of spiritual um, uh, angels and hierarchy and Satan's kingdom, although it is greatly disorganized, it still has a means of operation. And we can see from the book of Daniel that there are leading leaders, spiritual leaders of these different nations that have influenced spiritual leaders. Digressing to Adolf Hitler for a brief moment, he was trained by Guido von List. Many won't know that name, but Guido von List was a Satanist. He was a Luciferian. He was also an occultist. He was a learner of the uh, arts, uh, he's a student of the Egyptian book, book of the Dead. He, he was a foundational teacher of uh, Helen Petrona Blavatsky, who was viewed by some as the mother of the, uh, theosophy. And it was said that Hitler was found with a copy of her book, The Secret Doctrines, when he died in his hand. I don't know if that's true. Again, we don't know. Uh, Specifically, no pictures of that were taken, but it is evident that his learning in the occult, his learning with uh, these demonic powers, uh, really is what empowered Adolf Hitler mm. and his henchmen that went with him. When you look at pictures of those that remained at the uh, Nuremberg trials, these men looked like defeated foes. They didn't look like anything, but when they were demonically anointed to do what they did, they almost they almost succeeded in taking over the world, but it was by thanksgiving to God that Hitler's greed and also the weather conditions, especially in Russia, turned the tide of the war, and also in the West a little, uh, England was saved by weather conditions as well. So God intervened in World War yes. II, but we see these demon powers that are ruling the hearts of people, and that's why we have to be very careful with the doctrines we talk about. The church, again, digressing a little, and I don't want to take too much time here, but the church system uh, of this country kind of slipped away some years ago when they got into the purpose-driven. And in the purpose-driven, very, very covertly was put in there, Peter being of a sanguine spirit. In other words, they were giving Peter's personality type. This has become prominent, spiritual formation, Renovare, Richard Foster's book, uh, the discipline. These are all evil works. Mm -hmm. They're dangerous right. because they are lies. Some of it's based on the personality test that was initially brought in by Carl Jung. Carl Jung for 16 years literally went nuts, claimed he had spiritual visitations from a disembodied spirit he called Philemon. And in his first book about the personality types, he calls it Seven Sermons to the Dead. 
they took it off the market. They didn't. They finally started reprinting it, but they put it under the title "The Red Book." And people need to read those seven sermons because it talks about him talking necromancy to the dead. And this is where we got the personality types. This is where Myers and Briggs, the two ladies, put together that personality test that they have. And this is where the uh, multi Minnesota multi-personality test comes from. And the church began to use these after uh, the Bobkins, doctors Bobkins, wrote about how these things don't work. I worked mm. in a, I've worked for Fortune 500 companies for the last 44 years of my career, and I was in charge at one time in management at a very high divisional level, and they wanted us to institute these tests. And guess what? Every test did not properly evaluate the persons that we were interviewing. So we threw them out. We knew they didn't work because they were founded by demon spirits. They're not of God. So you've got to throw these other things away. But let's get back to our story here. Yes. We have these these, these kingdoms, of course, that... that um, some have actually said the seven kings were the Roman emperors, Augustus, Tiberius, uh, Caliglia, Claudius, Nero, and Vespasian, and I think Titus. They actually think that would, if that were true, that would make uh, Domitian the eighth one, and he should have been the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. So that, that story is just nonsense. Some of our preterists try to tell us that, but uh, I don't believe that nonsense. Mm-hmm. So we have these, these that have already fallen. And three of them, of course, have fallen, uh, for sure. Rome, of course, uh, we know uh, was, um, is, is going to be, what we call the Roman Empire is going to be revised. And the sixth one, of course, was Rome, was, was, was actually ruling during the day of John at that time. And that's true. We find that back in Daniel. I think it's in chapter 7, verse 23. As I remember these things, I used to teach Daniel and Revelation together. Years, I'm going back 35 years, so some of my thoughts kind of go back and forth from both of those. But you know, notice it says, the other has not yet come. The adjective for other generally means in the Greek, another of the same kind. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's the exact one. So that's why we don't believe it's necessarily the Roman Catholic Church, which, by the way, did not exist at the time of Christ. The true formation of the Roman Catholic Church began at the, really at the um, uh, Synod or the Edict of Milan in 313, but really wasn't the religion of the land until um, uh, a few years later. But anyway, um, so we got the same kind of uh, kingdom coming out. The seventh one, of course, will be the revised form of the Roman Empire, which, again, will have great power and great authority. And those kingdoms that will be formed under it, as uh, will, will be developed, indicates that um, this is going to be quite something. Out of the seven, of course, uh, we're going to find an eighth kingdom, which verse 11 deals with, that's going to be, of course, the rise of the Antichrist, the little horn that's going to come out of these. And he's not here yet. He's not coming yet. But we anticipate his coming will be, of course, maybe not the day after the rapture, but whatever time frame it takes from the time of the rapture and the church is removed to the time that the Antichrist is revealed, I'm sure a lot of things are going to develop in the world. And it could be a span of days. It could be even a span of years. The Bible doesn't tell us. I don't yeah, know if you've I, ever thought of it, but we, we don't know the time of the hour that the actual rise of the uh, Prince of Grecia is going to be, come out, as Daniel would call him in Daniel 10:20. But um, anyway, my my personal I, I thought on that is, too far yeah, yeah, the Sa- Satan has no patience. So as soon as he who lets, he who holds back uh, this Antichrist, which we believe is the Church, is taken out of the way, I don't think it'll be long before he. Uh, as long as he has access or, or, or is given permission, he will come on the scenes immediately. Uh, unlike God, who is long suffering and patient, Satan has no patience. He wants to kill, steal and destroy uh, as soon as he has any opportunity. John, I want to as our time is fleeting, I want to ask this question to you. And uh, when you look at what has happened in the last couple months in Israel with this war with Hamas, what do you think is emerging prophetically? We talked about Psalm 83 t- tonight. How close are we to what we're reading in Psalm 83 and even what we're reading in the book of Revelation as we've been studying it? Because things really are heating up. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I don't think Psalm 83 is a particular war. I think it's been a series of wars. And I think what we're finding with Psalm 83 is it's being fulfilled and has been fulfilled. It's a it's progressive in the sense that it's continuing. And we know when the Antichrist comes, 
He's going to, of course, as you probably have studied in Revelation chapter 5, he's going to come as a peacemaker. Right. He's going to come looking very wonderfully. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not, but another will come in his own name, and him you will accept. So Jesus, uh, or, or the Antichrist, is going to be imposed as one who thinks he is. Israel is going to take him to be the Antichrist, I'll say it better, uh, or, or, or the Christ, the Messiah. Now, the Muslims are also expecting a return of Isa, which is Jesus in the Quran. They're also expecting the return the uh, Shias of the Mahdi, the hidden Amman. And their mission is to, of course, eradicate and remove all Jews from the earth. Uh, that's the purpose of Isa coming back. The Quran, in terms of what they have, what's called major and minor signs in, in their works, and they're not necessarily found in the Quran, they're found in the Hadiths, the same the traditions of Muhammad, and in the Tasfir, the commentaries. But I bring that up for a reason, because we can't ignore the Islamic world. And in the idea of the Islamic world, of course, the Jews are not going to accept anything but a Jew. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 18, from right. their own brethren, one like Moses will have to come. So we understand that. But we also understand many Arabs and many Muslims, I should say, that are Arabs, view themselves as brothers to Israel. Will the Antichrist use a means to deceive Israel into this peace? Again, the Hudna, the truce, the peace agreement, founded by Muhammad as an example of how to make a truce, and until you gain strength, then you break the truce, and then you go back to war. We've seen that happen to Israel now since she's been a nation. She keeps making truce, she keeps making peace, but they keep breaking the peace fulfilling Psalm 120, when I speak of peace, they are for war. So we understand very clearly what's happening today is biblical. We also see another thought. I'll leave, I'll leave you with this thought. I know we've got to get, get done here in a moment for time's sake. But Israel still has a multiplicity of Jews scattered throughout the world. God arranged for Jews to return back to Israel. We call them aliyahs. Back in 1880, there were three major ones through World War I. And then, of course, after World War II, there was a tremendous aliyah. There were aliyahs taken from Jews out of Ethiopia, out of Iraq, out of areas of Iran, out of North Africa, especially out of Europe. And many have come from the United States, Miss Mabel Witz, who later was gold in my ear. So all these individuals that have returned back to Israel, but notice, Jews are not feeling safe anywhere in the world today. Is God shaking the world up again? to cause Jews to want to return back to Israel in this hour in preparation, sadly, for tribulation. But he said he would regather them a second time from all over the world. We find that in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 10 and 11. We find that in Jeremiah. We find it also backing up into in Ezekiel. We find it in many places of the Word of God that he would regather them again and bring them back as a nation. And that we see happening, Isaiah 36 in particular as well. That being the case, is God shaking the world up now to bring more Jews back to the Middle East in preparation for the coming Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, yes. the time of Jacob's woe? Just a thought. Looks like very much happening. is happening. I think that's happening. Yeah. Uh, John, I want to, as we come down to a close here, um, I, I have to ask you about this because the other day on SBN, you talked about Matthew 6. 34 take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is evil thereof and what was so strange about that our daughter emma who's 16 years old soon to be 17 here in a couple days that same night before the next day when you shared what you and i'm going to ask you to share it again came to me and said dad where is the verse in the Bible that says that each day has its own trouble of its own? And I said, it's, it's Matthew six thirty four. And she made an, a point that she felt God was speaking to her about that verse. And then you said the next day that God had really spoken to you. Could you share that as we close tonight? Yeah, I, that same night before I was in prayer as I do, I'm up early, sometimes three thirty, four o'clock, as you know, and it's just my schedule. It's not normal for most. But I was praying and interceding, and the Lord took me to those verses. I started reading, of course, uh, the, the entirety of the, the, the sixth chapter of Matthew. But, of course, chapter chapter 6, verse 19 always came to mind when I began praying. Lay not yourself treasures upon the earth, which moth and dust 
uh, rust doth corrupt, but where thieves break through and steal, they'll lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The church should be spending itself towards the things of the work of God, Amen. not building their treasures on earth. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have a house or wrong to have a car. I'm not speaking of those things, but our our attention, our object of works and activity should be towards the winning of the souls. And we get at the ministry so many people that are so worried about the difficulties of life. And I told them, don't worry so much. And uh, reading the v- previous verses from verse 25 down, I read on the air that we shouldn't be so focused on those things. God arraigned the lilies of the field greater than he arraigned Solomon. And if we trust him and put our faith in the finished work of the cross, he will provide for our needs. He'll meet our needs, and we will be able to have sufficiency in all things. So that's why that verse, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. We can't, the only control we have is what we do today. God, we wake up in the morning, use me, bless me, help me to do your will this hour. And as we do that, the next day will take care of itself. As we could see each day, like October 7th for the Jewish people in Israel, that kibbutz especially, it hit them like a railroad. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know what we can do today for the Lord. So that's why I shared those verses. And look, that confirms to me that I was on track because your daughter was given that verse as well to have in her heart. Well, it was just so strange that that happened. But uh, again, the connection between you and our family is just amazing and Matthew and everything. Tonight, as we go to the conclusion of this, I, I just want to say there is trouble all around us, friend. As you look at this world situation, it is really, really in trouble. And tonight from the 17th chapter of the book of Revelation, we learn about these things that are coming, that are coming in our, the near future. And I want to ask you the question tonight, if Jesus Christ was to lift his bride off the earth tonight, would you go in the rapture? Are you ready? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? John, you, you have studied so much in your lifetime and God is using you all over the world on, on Sunlight Broadcasting Network, on TV, I think in a, over 109 nations or more. But tonight it's about that one person that's listening, that one person in Canada yeah, yeah. or here in Buffalo, New York that needs Jesus. I, I w- want you just to lead them right now in prayer that someone who really knows they're in trouble, the world's in trouble, but they want to put their faith in Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come today as I sense your presence. Lord, you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And Lord, we're lifting up the name of Jesus. Lord, we're believing now that many that are listening that don't know you are sorry for their sins. They're feeling the convicting power of your Holy Spirit telling them that they're lost and they're without hope. The Lord, tonight, you're showing them and revealing to them your love. As we have clumsily tried, Lord, to show them what is coming in the very soon future. Lord, I'm asking you to do today for them because today is the day of salvation. Today they can receive you as Lord and Savior. Today their names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Today they can have a new life. They can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. They can be made whole and they can be made new with a great future and no past to look back on with regrets. Heavenly Father, we're asking you to pour out of your spirit that hope, For those to receive you today, those that are anxious and going through great troubles, great spiritual troubles, we're asking, Father, today that you will lighten the load as they cast their cares upon you, as they trust you today, Lord, to bless them, to take care of them, that they don't need to be anxious for tomorrow. They can trust you today and each day that you will make provision for them. Lord, I'm trusting today that this program will take root into the hearts of people, that they will understand a little more about that which is coming in the future. But Lord, we look back to the finished work of the cross. The future may look dim for those that don't know you, but for us that do, we have a glorious future. We have a great wedding to look forward to, the wedding supper of the Lamb. We have a lot of good things to believe for and to trust for. And Father, today, bear witness to your people and bear witness to those that don't know you, that they may receive you tonight, all in Jesus' name. All in Jesus' name. John, I thank you. And I know there are people tonight that prayed with you. And uh, tonight, if you are in need of the Lord and you just 
heard that prayer and it resonated in your heart, I want you to call the number tonight. There are operators waiting to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The number to call, and these are operators in our ministry at the Josh Revolution office right now waiting, 716-229-8000 or one 444-2920. Again, Greater Buffalo Area, 716-229-8000. Up in Canada or outside of Buffalo, 1-888-444-2920. They want to pray with you. They want to send to you a brand new Bible, the book that we've written called Cross-Eyed, How to Have Victory Over Sin. We're here to help you. And tonight, John, what you have said has been such a blessing and such a help to so many and we we just appreciate you brother i want you to know that well thank you kindly i appreciate and i thank you for giving me the the privilege of coming on your program and talking to your people i know they're blessed your ministry touches so many my brother and and you're a great vessel that the lord has used where you are and what, what a great privilege it is to serve the lord and have you as a friend Well, to God be the glory. You are a dear friend of this ministry. We're going to have you back and hopefully in person, not too long into the future. But John, thank you. We love you. And tell your your son, Josh, uh, that Mike Troy said hello. We love him as well. I'll do that, my friend. You do that. And God bless you all. And have a great evening in the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's John Rosenstern from... Jimmy Swigert Ministries, Sunlight Broadcasting Network. Get involved with that. That is an amazing 24-hour a day, seven days a week televised show for you. Hey, coming up next, Cross-Eyed Radio. Stay right with us. You have been listening to The Last Trump, a radio talk show sponsored by Joshua Revolution. If The Last Trump has been a blessing to you, please let us know by sending a testimony on how the program has helped you. If you would like to support The Last Trump financially, you can send financial gifts to Joshua Revolution, P.O. Box 923. Grand Island, New York, 14072. Or go to our website at joshuarevolution.org. We thank you for your help and prayers. And remember to tune in next week at 8.30 p.m. for The Last Trump, a study on end times prophecy.